All right. Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum, guys. My name is Abi Lasmar, and I am the host of your episode today on Omarpreneur Live. And on this podcast episode, I bring you none other than my good friend and sister, Ola Al-Ghazuli. And Ola is a certified fitness instructor and swimming coach and also a host of the podcast, Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola. And she's been passionately working towards bringing more representation to covered Muslim women within the swimming and industry and within the sports industry in general, which is something that I personally completely support and vouch for. And it's definitely an industry where we are underrepresented. So I wanted to bring her on today to just share a little bit about her story, about her journey as a coach, as a fitness instructor, a swimming coach, and as well, why she really chose to dive into that field and to bring awareness to Muslim women within this industry. So Ala, thank you so much for joining me on the episode today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Of course, it's an honor and the pleasure is definitely mine. And just like every single episode, we love to start by just getting a little bit of a preview on your backstory and your journey to what made you decide to get to where you are today, right? And you decided to get into coaching and specifically fitness coaching and also to coach with swimming. Were you always an active person that was a sporty and an athlete in high school or when you were younger? Yes, yeah, a great question. So I have been swimming since so I was six years old. I mm -hmm. learned in Damascus, Syria. And then when we came to United States in 2001, I did not enjoy any sports. Um, however, my mom did inspire me to like, you know, go out for sports, but we didn't know the logistics behind like travel teams. So I didn't join an actual team until high school. And uh, when I tried out for, for volleyball, I didn't make the team. I was super sore. Did not know that, that you have to be that conditioned for it. And then in I did track and field in high school because it was like the easiest sport to get accepted. Pretty much everyone got accepted. I struggled with eating disorders in high school because of my body image. Um, you know, I developed a little younger than I developed. Yeah, I developed earlier than a lot of my girlfriends at that time. Mm -hmm. So the, all my insecurities started building in. And um, that's also when it got really worse. Running got running helped me, and then after high school, I got into college, community college. I didn't get get accepted into George Mason. I got declined despite having like all the GPA, all that stuff. Um, then I met, I get met I met a friend who got me into weightlifting. After weightlifting, swimming again in community college before the hijab. So then, then that was an easy way. As soon as I finished that community college year in 2010, 11, I decided to wear the hijab, and then uh, of course swimming became a little um, hustle. Mm -hmm. hurdle in the way mm -hmm. and then anxiety depression in college put the workouts at the back or you know back end and then after uh all that phase in 2014 my grandma in damascus here got sick and then passed away and it was traumatic like experience for me it was like a good wake-up call and that's when beefy for akhira was born because it helped me like wake up i've always talked about nutrition health uh, working out because of my own story, my own struggles. And so when she passed away, it reminded me like, you know, what am I going to do when I die? Like what's going to happen? My body is to be used for a good cause, mm -hmm. not sit there and be depressed about what people think of me. Cause I, yeah. I went through the depression phase, the suicidal phase, the anxiety phase, like before I'm, you know, uh, early twenties, you know, that age. So then that's what uh, got me into the whole fitness journey. Like we need to be active with a purpose and not just lose weight and look amazing on the outside. Right. So there's a lot of things that I want to touch upon, actually, because you mentioned a few different phases in your life uh, yeah. pretty briefly. And, and, and that's completely cool because I'd like to dive into a few of them. One is that you at some point, and I want to touch upon that, you at some point were an athlete. As you mentioned, you took up running, you took up multiple different sports, sports which is amazing, mashallah. And then you decided to wear the hijab. You decided, okay, you know, I'm actually, I, I decided this is something that I want to do. And then you realized, oh, but this is actually going to affect the way that I can practice and the way that I can play these sports. And that led to you feeling a certain way internally. Was that, what's, how was that transition for you? And was that, would you think it's a contributor to when you mentioned that it led to you having a little bit of anxiety or maybe even a little bit of depression in that case? Yes, big time. Because um, the anxiety and depression came up around, 2011-ish, 12, so I was, you know, 21, 22 at that time, and that age, you know, in our culture, communities, all that fun stuff, it started because college became hard, and then I really wanted to drop out, and that's why I was mm -hmm. resonating with your story, but, like, as a female, college drop out, like, what, <laughs> what are you going to do with your life, you know, that mentality in the mm -hmm. Arab community, so it really created anxieties and depression, like, what am I going to do, what career, 
what major I was a biology major. I ended up, I was trying to become like work in medical technology, but I did, you know, stichat about it. I did not know what other route to take. I tried to go back to community college, but then again, things came up and that's where it all piled, piled, piled up. Alhamdulillah, I was able to get financial assistance, um, manage my way, but it took me in total eight years to wow, get the college that. degree. That's amazing. Well, at least now you got it. And so what did you get? A, what did you end yeah. up going for? Biology with the health promotion minor. And I took okay. three extra classes, uh, okay. health related. Okay. How did you deal with the fact that you, you know, you mentioned you, you got that. How did you deal then with this anxiety, this depression that you had because of the fact that you realized, okay, I'm not really sure what I want to do. And now I'm also going through this transition where I'm, I want to, you know, put on the hijab and I'm an athlete. And it's kind of like almost like an identity crisis, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So how, like, what did you do in that case? Or when did you start to find, okay, this is kind of the way that I want to take. And uh, this is, this is the path that I want to follow. It is an identity crisis, I think, because my mom doesn't wear the hijab, right? So that's kind of what triggered it for me. Like, oh, mashallah, you wear the hijab. And it's like, she doesn't. And it's like, people are asking me, you know, all these questions, the auntie questions. And it's like, okay, I am Arab. Yes, I'm Muslim. But my identity is Muslim. And that's what I identify myself as. Um, so that actually is a true statement. Yeah, identity. Um, yeah. 100%. And that's and it's the same thing you see, because I was, I was listening to a podcast this morning about this the story of the Prophet. And it's kind of like how before all the Arabs were very tribal. And so they, they were in tribes and they would like gather and, and, and you know, uh, the tribe was essentially the family and it's what you would protect and it's what you would fight for. But eventually then Islam came and then it wasn't about tribes anymore. They would race, color, where you came from didn't matter. It was just about, you know, what did you believe in? And 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 that was the uniting factor. And you said right now that, you know, the identity, yes, there's the Arab identity, but then there's the Muslim identity, which is 100% accurate. You are now at a place, you know, you, you decided this is kind of the path that I want to move forward. I want to follow the Muslim identity part of it. What made you then decide to go back into sports and to to decide to follow a career into fitness coaching? I would say my temperament, I, uh, it helped me like weightlifting helped me manage my temperament also helped me manage my confidence. So because of my eating disorders, the whole body image insecurities, I've always wanted to like, you know, <laughs> you know, that, you know, like just the outside, like I wanted to fit in this society. You I wanted to feel good in your skin. Yeah. I wanted to mm -hmm. like, you know, fit in. And so like, that was my way, like my body on the outside, I didn't have the internal, like believe in that i'm enough and so uh repeat that question so going back to how so what, what drove you to kind of dive into fitness as a fitness, career yeah. yeah so it was my grandmother's death in 2014 honestly because i was in that like cloud mm -hmm. of like okay i'm not good enough what people think of me like the whole society's expectations and the fear that bubble of fear like because i that's why i wanted to like you know leave this world because i was just that depressed like of society's expectations of me yeah and then when she passed away it's like a bubble just poof walking up and i'm like who gives like who cares <laughs> about people anymore and i mean i still go through it here and there of course but at the same time it's just that's why i'm going to fitness like who cares about what they think but it's like what Allah thinks when i die in the graveyard like my body will be a witness for me and that's what i have been wanting to tell the world like be fit for akhirah so that you can use your body for the akhirah or like to build your akhirah. Um, mm. And that and that's part of setting the intentions. Like, uh, you know, when I when it comes to exercising, when it comes to, let's say you want to go and have a workout, you know, you can either go and be like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, build my muscles and, and feel good and, and and get a nicer body. Or you can set the intention that, you know, I'm, I'm I am going there so I can maintain a healthy body that was given to me by God. And then I can also use that body to serve the people around me and serve the, the Ummah around me. Now, tell me a little bit about why you chose the name BeFit for Akhira, because I think it's a really beautiful name. Tell me what prompted you to choose that name and also the name Purposeful Fitness. What is that concept of Purposeful Fitness? Share that with me. Uh, yes. So I got inspired by YouTube videos that were um, inspiring Islamically, and they had the Akhira concept, and that's how the Akhira came name about, and it's been, you know, a whole identity crisis, name crisis as well, um, speaking about it, and like not being that perfect Muslim. Yeah. Yes, I'm still going through that again. <laughs> At the same time, what inspired me to name it is that 
I agree with the fact that like we as Muslim Ummah communities, all of it, like we always talk about like Allah, 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 which is amazing, Allah. But like we're also going to be a witness, and like that reminds me, like it helps me to remind myself before I judge the next person, let me judge myself. Because, you know, I've fallen in that haram police myself and I've had the haram police come to me as well. Mm -hmm. So for me, like, yeah. despite all the difficulties, it, to me, a reminder, like, I'm not to be judging people. I'm to be judging myself. Yeah. And then number two, purposeful, is like, okay, I've actually done research. I've researched other podcasters and I've seen a lot of, like, faith based from the Christian faith. But I didn't see anything from the Muslim faith into, yeah. like, fitness and podcasts. And that's what inspired me to name it purposeful. Like, what is your purpose behind your workouts? Because Muslims are just stuck on, like, the whole culture. I've had also a Pakistani client who, that was her goal, to lose weight for her wedding because, like, she just had to. So I know it's a cultural problem as well. Mm -hmm. But I think that obviously is limited, is not even limited. It's just kind of everyone in general yeah. sees fitness as a way to beautify themselves. And, I mean, now more and more people are starting to see it as actually a, a lifestyle uh, to, to maintain health. Uh, but even if we kind of look back into, you know, the 50s and the 40s uh, during like the era with Arnold Schwarzenegger and these guys, like bodybuilding for the sake of bodybuilding wasn't a thing up until that era, right? So it's interesting to see now just all the transformations that the fitness industry has gone through to now lead to where we are today. And I guess my question to you now is, you knew you wanted to do something where you combined fitness, you combined faith to turn it into purposeful fitness, which is what you have now. What then drove you to specifically dive into the swimming industry or, or really just tackle swimming as a sport or something that you wanted to teach? Yes, in 2018, I uh, was bullied by a lady um, where she, I felt like she, degrade i don't know what's the word but she asked me like you know how many laps have you swim and she like told me insisting like i cannot be a swim instructor based on what i wear so i i'm a very sensitive person and i got offended from it and then another lady the same year asked me like how can you swim like hey, how can you swim like that so i knew it was an issue and i gave my friend also uh uh, not, <laughs> I gave my friend like a lessons in the summertime. So I knew there was like a demand for it at that time. And it's something I'm very passionate about. And because it happened to me, you know, a victim mode, it happened to me. I knew that other people are, it's happening to them as well. So I wanted to kind of be that voice. And I'm, and I noticed from myself, like, I'm very, like, sure, like, you heard me. Oh, no, let me come back to you kind of thing. That's what motivated me to you go took get it as a challenge. Yeah, yeah, that's what motivated me to become a um, swimmer, like to go for it. Were you already just casually like swimming for fun, or what, what stage were you at at that time? Recreation. Okay. Like I would take my bike. I'm still doing that to the pool, swim, and at the same time, I have to give like a huge thanks to my parents because my dad got me into it, and I was very, very young in you know Damascus, Syria. Yeah. And then my, my mom got me into it again in 2010. So like without them, I wouldn't be able to be in it. And that's why it's important to like talk about something for the Muslim mom and the Muslim daughter. Like yeah, both. 100%. And so you, you kind of went through this experience where uh, you essentially, was that like you were teaching or were you just kind of swimming and someone came up to you and said, hey, like you, you can't be swimming wearing covered clothing. Like what was the, what was the surround, like what was the scenario that happened? Yes. So I am talking about my the story without mentioning the business name, but yeah. of course it was a local business mm -hmm. and they knew I have a business. So like they met me before we met each other. We had a coffee with the owners. We had a good connection. And then what happened is like, they didn't hire me, but they say, okay, apply for it. So I apply for the position and they knew again, my story. I got, I left target, which is a retail store. And then when I left Target in September or so, I they're like, okay, well, let's go through training. Mm -hmm. So they had a 40-hour training, and then it's like 20 hours. We get to see you if you want to continue or not, and we will tell you. if Like, you can tell us if you want to continue. That's what I understood. I said, okay. During the 20 hours training, um, like, you know, it's like back-to-back. -back. There are with little kids, and you would have to be in the water all the time. And so I had issues with like, how am I going to go to the restaurant? I don't have time, you know, all these covering things. And it was a hassle, it was a struggle. So I asked the owner, you know, how how do you make it happen so quickly? It's so hard for me. Of course, she just wears one piece suit. It's an easy thing for her. She's a swimmer. So she comes 
from the competitive mindset and I did not know the quick, easy way to go to the restroom while <laughs> being in a swimsuit. Right. So I learned something new. And so the other lady, like her buddy and the owner, they were talking, you know, um, together. And I, I had a vibe. So they were talking about me. And then like, you know, I was leaving. So the owner of the school left. And that lady came to me on the side and started asking me, so are you local? And why, if you're local, how come you haven't heard of the other school? I work at the other school. The other school happened to be private, Islamic mm -hmm. school, telling me, like, you should go there, not here. And then she also said, how many laps have you swam like this before? Like, all these bully questions, right? So she left, and I'm just thinking, like, why? And so when I went to the at the time, the other one, she said, how was your training, Ola? You know, give us feedback. And I told what happened. She wasn't happy for me. She said, report it. My mom and our neighbors said, don't report, just let it go. The next day, I mentioned the story to my manager at another job. And he was like, since you were being bullied. And just realized whenever you report stuff like that, you're always going to have consequences. And I called the recreation center because she gave me a name to confirm the statement. Because she said, oh, did you know that at so-and-so recreation, they don't hire women in burkini? And I don't wear burkini all the time. And that supervisor at the aquatic at the aquatic center was a, like you know hurt She's like what we need instructors go get certified and that was the light bulb moment like i will become certified inshallah and that's what propelled me forward and of course i did report the incident i didn't get the job so when i sat down with the um the family-owned business people mm -hmm. i was like so did you remember that lady like yeah well to her defense she was offended because i i gave someone a private like some lessons and i wasn't certified yet and it's not right for me and she's been in the industry for so many years so it was okay for her to offend me like that and they gave me a bunch of excuses on why i'm not able to work with them mm -hmm. but it's crystal clear business issues came up too you know i have a business and they have a business right of interest 100%. I get it. So uh, you kind of went through this experience. And before that, you were casual. And you went through this experience where the, kind of like a, basically a, a woman that you didn't know challenged you uh, for being covered, essentially, and told you that you wouldn't be able to do it. And you said you saw that as a challenge. And you're like, okay, let me prove that wrong. Uh, and, you, and you went for it, which is which is honestly awesome. I love that. Now, then you decided to go all in, right? And you decided to go all in into this. And, and this is something that you've been working on for, I I think a couple of years now, two, three years even. So what are you, what, what kind of pivot did you do after that? How did you, how did you say, okay, I want to, you know, actually do this as a career. And then how are you making that happen right now? Do you, did you decide to just start your own business where you can make your own rules or did you work for someone else? Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah. Anyone who's listening, it is definitely not easy. Please know that I'm still going, you know, we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. I became an A certified trainer in 2016, excuse me. I got certification in 2016. So it's been like four years as a certified fitness professional. But I started the idea of Bifi for Akhira in 2014, okay. like the concept. And then I became a certified swim instructor in summer 2019, October 2019. So it's all fresh. But the that passion is really, it's been hard to like, you know, not, continue and I have been wanting to give up for a very very long time um so what sorry so, no worries so you basically in terms of where you're going now okay you said yeah. you, that that experience happened and, and you wanted to move forward and then decided that you wanted to become a swimming instructor but you still you wanted to do it while you were you recovered so what steps did you take to make that happen since that incident yeah, so it's it's all uh, still fresh. So the steps I took was to sign up to the Red Cross certification course at George Mason. Mm -hmm. And I knew about the prerequisites that you had to swim 25 meter of all the strokes. And I tried to practice a little bit. I, I'm not a butterfly. Like, I still cannot do the butterfly stroke. So I did not pass in the beginning. Like, when I entered the, the, the class, they did the assessment in the water, mm -hmm. and I failed it really miserably. And they're like, we're not sure if we can let you in this class. Like, I paid for it. And they still say to me, we're not going to let you in this class. Like, excuse me. So it was really hard to say, to get that no again. You know, I've, and so I was like, no, please. Like, they know my story. They saw how, like, passion I had in me. I'm like, okay, we'll keep you in this class, but you have to work on your strokes through entire, like, this course time. I, I forgot. It was, like, in a couple of weeks and it was during Ramadan as well. So I swam so much during Ramadan. I got uh, – the next step was to get um, – 
two free sessions, alhamdulillah, with the aquatic director from George Mason and a master swim coach at Mason as well. They worked with me on my freestyle, which was wrong. I had to unlearn it. And then I had to work on my breaststroke, which was also wrong. And so I kept practicing like every single day, like an actual athlete. And then they kept the Red Cross instructors, they kept reassessing me to see if I improved. Um, so I was only able to improve at a basic level. And again, that was in 2019, October. Then now we have Corona or COVID came. So that these were the steps. Sign up for the course, pay for it, pay again, because I had to go from the WSI to the lower level, different right. cost. Wow. And then CPR certification, keep that up to date. Um, take an actual written exam, which again, I had to like, we're taking it again. <laughs> so like everyone who's listening, you might fail once, twice, but you have to keep going. If you're super determined, like I'm not giving up. hundred <laughs> percent. And that's what it takes, right? I mean, you, you, you did the first thing. They're like, oh wait, you're not at that level yet. Oh my God. I have to start lower. Some people won't be like, oh man, I thought I was at that level. Let me just give up. But you decided to keep going. Yeah. And so now today, did you go to the direction of you know, working for another business as a coach within a center or uh, are, did you decide what, what kind of prompted that decision, of course, because I know what you decided, which is to start your own coaching business. What prompted you to start your own business versus working for someone else as a swimming instructor? Yes, it's a great question. And that was back in 2018 when I had to work with the first business coach and mentor. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for that that came up with me it's because I was asking for help from different mentors, of course. And then this one sales call was really bad. And they pretty much put me down. Like you're wasting money in idea conference, for instance. And it was a fitness professional in, uh, company, whatever. And I was you were applying at, to it, to work in it, exactly? No, I was um, applying to get like a mentorship, like with okay. your program, but with, it, with fitness related. And then the sales call was really uh, disrespectful to me, in my opinion. I'm like no okay i need help so i went to do like you know research ended up working with um you know coach Jasmine at that time and then she helped me sell my, my business my coaching business and also the in-person model for personal training because within the fitness industry there are different like models and you know avenues and what have you so i was i was testing the waters to see which one will work with me mm -hmm. at the same time i was working at george mason which kind of i'm still at so i that is my experience working wise. I also work with Soccer Shots, a company, franchise company for little kids to get that little experience with kids. And uh, then the next step was to also um, invest in another master group that I left in December. And then the third step is now to work with a entrepreneur to kind awesome. of like get the <laughs> like get the groundwork in. Alhamdulillah, definitely. And yes, you did jo you did uh, join our program recently. So that's awesome. And I, I'm so happy that you did because we're working together to kind of build up that coaching business even to the next level and really scale it, Alhamdulillah, which is an amazing thing to do. Now, Ada, in terms of the coaching business and even if we kind of move past that to not only just the coaching that you do, but you have been very vocal about bringing awareness or representation for Muslim women within the swimming industry. And I mean, if we just visit your Facebook or go on your Instagram, I mean, that's pretty much like 90% of what we see is just really you fighting for that and being very vocal about it. And, and mashallah, even getting support from it from other athletes. And you even have a campaign now that you're starting up called Swim for Akhira, which is uh, really a, a series of webinars, giveaways and gifts. And they all center around Muslim women in swimming, which is amazing. Now, tell me a little bit about why you feel like we're underrepresented in the swimming industry and why Muslim women even need representation in an industry like swimming, right? Which is, as you mentioned right now, it's, it's essentially bikinis and that's what it is. And then you're bringing someone in who is completely covered, but you're like, we still want to do that. And we want to be part of this industry as well. What is motivating you to be so vocal about it? Yes, it's a very great question. And it can be a little bit emotional for me, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. So obviously, because I'm, it happened to me, like it's personal for me, of course, number one, like I'm passionate, it's my hobby. I'm also a victim of it, what have you. But then like when Nike came out with the new swimsuit, you know, that also kind of like triggered it for me. Like I knew, I knew like where the, there is a demand and like a desire for it. Mm -hmm. Why? Number one, it is from the Sunnah of our Prophet Muhammad right? Number one. Number yeah. two, um, it's a struggle for all of us. And like, whenever I go to the pool, I'm always like seeing myself being the only one that's swimming. I see like, for instance, mom just sitting out and the 
the real reason, actually, another real reason for me, I have been super vocal um, about the burkini modeling perspective. I've been so tired of seeing like pictures of just burkini modeling next to the pool, next to the beach, with like a woman, um, with a kid, what have you, sunglasses. It's just like, that's enough. We need to see real swimmers. And that's what got me like triggered, like, let's go for this. And that that's what pushed for a Swim for Akhra campaign. And that the reason why I'm doing people having like holding a poster and I'm saying the Muslim woman versus like the hijabi woman, uh, personally speaking, because number one, like I said, my mom doesn't wear the hijabs. So I want to inspire like the Muslim woman, hijab or not, like she's still a Muslim. Mm -hmm. And I also want to, um, it is a sensitive topic these days with influencers, you know, like the whole thing that's happening around the world. Like I just want people to come back to Islam through swimming, through faith um, in that way. And that's why I feel it is important to represent us modesty. And like, again, it's not just like a Muslim woman issue. I think it's a woman of faith, a person of faith or who wants modest, modesty. I've had clients at Mason, for instance, like from, you know, Indians, for instance, they don't want to be completely um, like naked in a one piece. So they want to cover up. I've had a client who was from the Christian faith. Again, she just wasn't comfortable showing her skin. So that's what kind of triggers it for me. It's yes, I am a hijabi. I am a Muslim woman. I'm, I'm representing them. It is a responsibility upon me and it's a scary one. But at the same time, like let's kind of remember the Orthodox Jewish who wants to be modest in the pool. Why can't we inspire them as well? Mm -hmm. um, come on the board. Um, the other person who just wants to be covered up. That's, right. So yeah. you're fighting not even just for covered Muslim women, but for women of all faiths who prefer to dress more modestly in the pool and you still want them to be represented. Now, you mentioned uh, a few things that I'd like to touch upon. One is that uh, you mentioned that right now in terms of the media, we are, we are seeing some positive trends uh, for sure with uh, companies like Nike and others who are creating outfits for Muslim women, right, that are still uh, athletic, they're made of athletic materials and they're fit for swimming, but they're a little bit more modest, which is awesome because as you mentioned, they're seeing a demand. Now, why do you think it's important for us to as well be vocal about the fact that, you know, we're here and we want to be part of this industry? And why, why, why can't we just sit on the sidelines and just wait for these things to happen? Why do we have to fight for it to happen? And that is a great segue for actually my webinar little plug in. Mm -hmm. I'm bringing on Splash Gear, uh, Shireen. We will be talking about this topic in depth because she has a wealth of knowledge and history. She's mm -hmm. one of the pioneers for burkinis um, when she started. And so why do we need a, a bigger brand to represent? Why can't we support the smaller brands? Yes, alhamdulillah, like bigger brands are coming in speaking for us. But to me, I feel like it's important for us Muslims speak for ourselves instead of like having a bigger mm -hmm. brand um, come out and reach. And the thing is like yesterday, I actually had Nike come reach out to me and I invited them to our webinars and like Speedo actually reached out to me in, in January 2020 and I'm part of their program right now so I'm also working with them and so I'm trying to like you know work with Swim Outlet with Speedo with you know now Nike like they came to me alhamdulillah it's like we should have bigger brands but I would like to stick hopefully to my principles like we can work with the bigger brands, but let's also work with the smaller brands like Asia Sport. It's a Muslim-owned business. They're pioneers for this as well, M Muslim athletes. And so let's just remember the big people, but the little people too that are struggling, like that's, you know us. <laughs> that's amazing. And I, I know you brought up something that is so uh, effective and relevant that I, that I want to highlight, which is you mentioned that you know it's it's cool to have these big brands talking about it and bring exposure, but it's better if we are able to control the narrative and, and ourselves, why can't we speak for ourselves versus these big brands speaking for us? And I think that's an extremely powerful point. And especially in this day and age where, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, and this is what this group is all focused around, you know, there are so many possibilities to what you can do as an entrepreneur, guys. And this is why this is called Ummapreneur and this brand and this group that we're building and everything that we're building is focused around being an ummahpreneur, which is an entrepreneur that actually does something for others, for the ummah, for their communities, for the people around them. They create, you know, we're create, we're trying to create leaders that that make a difference. And and that's what this vision is about. That's what the, this movement is about. And that's why it's more to highlight people like yourself, Allah, who are doing this in their own ways, in their own industries. And you really said it. I mean, I just really want to highlight it once more is that it's cool for these big brands to, to you know, speak 
for us and, and represent us, but it's time for us to speak for ourselves. And with all the tools available to us, there's no excuse for us not to. And this is something that you're fighting for a lot. And I just want to give commend you and really tip you my hat uh, figuratively for that. And right now, Allah, you are working towards a campaign, a Swim for Akhida campaign that I'd like to kind of touch upon. And, and this campaign is something that you've set up. It's completely free. And it's essentially a series of webinars where you're going to bring awareness to these topics, right? And you're inviting, as you mentioned, big brands are reaching out to you to, to, to even you know learn more about this campaign. You're inviting them to this campaign. And this is kind of like a way for you to really just say everything you need to say about this and, and put some content out there and really share your message with the people. Tell us more about what prompted you to start this campaign in the first place. And who is this campaign for? If someone is interested or hears about this, who should go and sign up to this campaign? It's literally for anyone and everyone. And the reason why it got me inspired was the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Um, mm -hmm. When the swimming industry got into it, like all these big brands, all these like black swimmers, like our voice matters. I'm like, well, so are we the Muslim women? And I have a story. I was a victim. Like I didn't die, but I was a victim as well. And so that's actually the trigger. Like it just triggered it for me. Like I'm that person. I don't know. It's just like okay, well, like we are not represented as well. There has to be a voice. Yeah. I am not going to wait for Mr. Nike or Miss Nike to come and speak for me or like Speedo or anyone. Like, no, I, we need to speak for ourselves. And so I've seen, for for instance, the um, Diversity in Aquatics on Instagram. They started doing a lot of webinars for free and yeah. everyone just got on. I'm like, mashallah, like, okay, wow. I wonder if it's going to happen for us. Yeah. Okay, cool. Then I saw Swimmers for Change on Instagram too. Like they did their own, um, I think it was like 12 webinars straight. And that I was like, wow, so inspiring. But it was for the Olympians focus, mm -hmm. like for the athletes focus. Really, okay, that's, that's interesting. I'm going to do my, the same thing for myself. So what I did, I connected with the people that I already know through social media and few locals. And alhamdulillah, I was able to get, you know, from um, people from social media come on me. They 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 were like yes you're right Ola we need to be heard yes Ola let's do this um so I got coordinated I got Abby Fish who's a non-Muslim you know swim coach and the reason for Abby Fish because I want to speak to the swimming industry like not just like the Muslim community for me at this point in my life it's like no yes we as a Muslim community we are not united so let's just unite and also speak to the Muslim uh the swimming communities like, here's our struggles, here's our reality, and kind of like a dawah time or why we wear the hijab, and it's, like, not something that it's forced upon a woman. She gets to decide for herself. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like that dawah. Oh. 100%. And, and I completely agree. And, and you you bring up a good point because if you just, if you just talk about this or around other Muslims, it kind of becomes an echo chamber, right, where it's like, yes, we all agree. But then what are we going to do about it? So that's why it's so important to bring in the other brands and the other people from outside of the Muslim faith that uh, kind of bring exposure to this. And as you mentioned, when you started doing that, a lot of people started coming up to you and they started telling you, hey, we actually want this too. You know, women from the Christian faith, women from the Jewish faith, and just women in general who want to dress more modestly and who don't want to necessarily, you know, show off all of their skin, but want to feel comfortable going into a pool, pool and not awkward that they're the only ones that are covered and, and feel weird about it. And it's interesting because we live in such an opposite society where showing off all of your skin is normal, but then dressing modestly is not. And it's just completely ridiculous um, to be honest with you. But again, that's that's a conversation for another day. But if we kind of just touch a little bit more on Swim for Akhira and what you're doing now, how can someone sign up to this? You know, if they're, if they're hearing what you're, what you're saying and, and they resonate with it and they're like, you know, I'm interested. I want to learn more about your, what you're doing and uh, possibly even, you know, I want to take up swimming. I've never learned swimming before. Do you offer any swimming lessons to people? Are you coaching women on how to swim or people who are maybe interested and, you know, you know, they decide, yeah, I want to go into the pool. I want to feel comfortable in the pool. Do you offer any programs for that? Yes. So again, another aspect of the campaign I forgot to mention, we are going to have a, a few webinars giveaways as well so if you're okay. looking for free giveaways come on instagram we'll have uh free brands entering alhamdulillah nice uh at the same time yes i have a free course right now that will help the woman to get introduced to the swimming strokes the basics on land mm -hmm. and i also have a program that's going to be launched very soon Inshallah. Uh, nice. so come on board i can help you it's really important to focus on the land training for the pool water 
Okay. And so when it comes to the stroke and techniques like that, that I'm like, I'm working on it, but I can help you, you know, with the basics. Again, I'm only basic certified, so I cannot dive deeply into right. the other techniques, which is why I'm I'm highlighting other some instructors from the community in case somebody wants to uh, learn. There are other options, but I'm going to focus mainly on like workouts that will help you improve your strokes, inshallah. Inshallah. And also, as you mentioned, you're focusing more on people who are, you know, they're looking to start, right? So if you're if you're trying to be an Olympic athlete, then you can refer them to someone else. But your market is, you know, people who are just, you know, they're interested, they want to learn how to swim, they want to feel comfortable in the pool or in the water. And, and you want to help these people kind of move forward. And there's free, you have a free course for that as an intro course. And you have the program that is launching soon, inshallah, which is going to be one-on-one -on -one and super intensive and awesome. And I can't wait to learn more about it. Now, before we um, kind of take questions, I have one more question for you, Ala. And this is something that I ask every single guest uh, when they come on. There's, there's three big questions that we usually ask. I'm going to ask you one of them. Um, it's, what's the big, actually, you know what? Here, there's another one. If you could meet, this is a good one for you. If you could meet Ola from, I would say three or four years ago, the one who was being told at the pool that, you know, she could not be an instructor. She could not be a good swimmer because of the fact that she's covered. And you could meet that Ola and you could, you could tell her one thing. You, you only have room to tell her one thing. So you, you can't cheat and give me a paragraph. You can tell her one thing. Okay. One sentence. What would, what would that one thing be? You can do it. Don't listen to them. Nice. <laughs> nice. I love that. Super simple. You heard it right here, guys. And this is something that I think we can all resonate with. And I think that you all should also tell yourselves every single day when you wake up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that you can do it no matter what it is you want to do, inshallah. And if you move forward with that belief, with that firm belief, then everything else, all the challenges, all the struggles, all the failures become irrelevant. Now, uh, if it's okay with you, we'll dive with some audience Q&A. We have some questions here from the viewers. Is that cool? Yes. Let's make it happen, inshallah. So uh, we're going to start taking questions, guys, for Ola. If you have questions about fitness, about swimming, if you have questions about, you know, Muslim women in the swimming industry, about, you know, maybe you're covered and you kind of, you feel awkward going into a pool. If you have any questions at all that relate to what we're talking about today, then drop them in the chat and we'll go ahead and answer them, inshallah. Um, let's go ahead and start with the first one that we have here. Let's go ahead. There you go. So I, I kind of showed the wrong. There we go. So we have one from Sister Faye, and uh, this is a dear sister. Uh, thank you for being on this podcast and always supporting this podcast. How do you see yourself three years from now? This is a really good question. I like this. How do you see yourself three years from now? Where would your vision bring you by then? Mm, so what are you shooting for? What's what? Where is that vision taking you? What would you like to see inside of this industry? Thank you so much for asking this question. Inshallah, have... Uh... I have it actually written, typed out. So I would like to see myself having a book published, but actually also my own academy mm -hmm. and my own courses. And the reason for this answer right now, because that's why I ended up uh, working with um, entrepreneur is because I'm so passionate, like course and all that stuff, mental health, but I have to focus on one thing right now. So swimming, but inshallah, I'm able to kind of also get therapists on my side, um, other experts on my side, like nutrition, because I would like to have an academy of um, programs, courses, and then hopefully like that podcast purposeful yeah. into a book eventually, because I like Inshallah. to amazing and 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 i think the academy would be amazing because there's just so many resources that you know you'd be able to offer and you'd be able to essentially share based on what you're good at and i think that would be awesome that'd be the next step guys inshallah so thank you for sharing that we got a few more here um one is from sister Ascarini. again thank you for supporting us and for watching this podcast thank you so much she says when you had history with anxiety and depression um it must have been very hard to feel motivated whenever whenever these things came up, right? And um, this is something actually we even talk about, me and you, and, and, you know, when we have sometimes these conversations about how to move past these things. So how do you keep confirming yourself that things will be okay, right? And this is a really good question. I, I'm curious to hear this too. How do you how do you kind of keep moving forward? And, and you've shared it yourself. Sometimes it's hard, but you keep going. How do you do that? Yeah, and they are still coming back to me. I noticed with myself when I'm under super amount of high in, uh, pressure, it just backfires like everything backfires all my past memories all my past traumas what have you like just boom and i like break down so what helps me number one it's 
the breakdown, like crying, perhaps, uh, for instance, and then like writing things down. And also I'm learning who to trust, who to talk to, who to reach out to. And I cannot reach out to like everyone anymore. Because that's something I, I noticed within my personality myself. Like I trust in easily with a lot of people. So like that's something I'm be, trying to be careful from. Okay, I need to be professional in my life, but at the same time, like have my close friends that I can trust. And the other thing that I learned from the life coach when she said about vulnerability, because I am a little bit too vulnerable sometimes, mm-hmm. where I share all my stories. And like she said a very good thing that like the right thing where you need to have the right sis- the right support system around you, um, the resistance. And I forgot a few things that she mentioned. So the answer is right support system. Alhamdulillah, my mom is also like my therapist in a way. <laughs> I tell everything. Uh, general writing. And then... Like, it is okay to cry and stuff like that. And then, like, have your own coping mechanism. So, I write um, art therapy whenever I have time, dancing or, like, music therapy, humor therapy. I've taken a class on uh, stress and coping. So, I never knew that journal was actually a way. And I've always been, like, writing. Art is actually a way as well. So, like, if you're an artist or, like, draw and paint, go for it. Make time. And that is my answer to you. Okay, awesome. And, and this is really very relevant answer, especially to Sister Askani, because she's someone who is, I know for myself, she uh, she does write a lot and she also writes poetry. So I think she's going to resonate with that. And I think that's a, a really good answer. And as well, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, having a support system is so key. I mean, no matter what you do, doing it alone is really hard. Sometimes you need people around you to cheer you on when you're kind of beating yourself up, as they say. So um, thank you for sharing that again, Ola. We have one more question here. Um, and, and we'll take maybe one more guys. So if you got, if you guys have any more questions in regards to fitness, swimming, uh, and all that, what we talked about on this episode, inshallah, share them in the comments. We got one more here, uh, from another sister. And she says, uh, my grandmother is above 70. She had an open heart surgery around 10 years ago. Uh, health wise, she's well, but as time passes, she can't walk very much due to her surgery. Uh, so her question right now is, can you suggest some tips on how she can, maybe give her grandmother some exercises or, or some fitness tips that she can do herself to kind of just at least, you know, make sure that her feet don't swell up that, uh, you know, she's, she keeps the blood flowing within her body. So some, some base, something basic that maybe a grandmother can do. Is there any advice, any movements, any tips that you can give for this person? So she can move, she can walk. Is that- so yeah. So let, let's see here. She says, uh, she can't walk very much due to her surgery. And when she doesn't walk in a day, her feet swell up and sometimes her body as well. Uh, her shoes don't fit and that causes her serious pain. So it looks like she even walking is a little bit difficult. When, what can someone do in that case? Okay, uh, great question. I'm not able to dive in deeply as it's not my expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I would also like to recommend like watching her nutrition if you can talk to nutritionist. You know, if she's missing out on... Um, like enough hydration, for instance, her myofascial tissue, she probably cannot do a lot of like actual foam rolling because the high blood pressure can um, trigger it. And since walking is like not the best option for her at at the same time, I would recommend um, see if she can do like basic, basic strength training, like body weights, if she can, you know, bicep curl, for instance, at home. And she it can, can be just like her hands, like without even weights, right? Like just yeah, water bottle. Um, yeah. If she can incorporate, for instance, like standing up, walking a couple steps, watching how she walks, like her balance, her posture coming back. But I also would recommend seeing a nutritionist, like that, another part to watch for. Hundred percent. That's a really, really good point. Is that a lot of times we think you know the exercise is 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 what they need to do, but as well, nutrition is huge because I think. Um, even um, even my father, sometimes he has diabetes and, and he has that issue where his feet swell up. And that happens when he eats like maybe salty foods or, or things with salt. So nutrition is really key in that as well. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so inshallah, we will actually end right here, guys. So if there's any more questions, just drop them in the comments and we'll go ahead and I'll make sure Ala can go and uh, answer them when she has some time after the podcast. So Ola, because... Uh, we're almost finishing up here. Can you share with us for all the viewers that are here? And just thank you guys for all the comments. Um, okay, we have actually one. Okay, we have one more that I'm going to squeeze in here because this is really cool. It's how how many times a month should we swim to keep ourselves in shape and healthy? So we'll, we'll do. The, we'll take this last one. Go for it. Yay! Great question. <laughs> so a month. Okay. Well, in a week, at least three times. That's the minimum to exercise. So if you can yeah. do that, that'd be amazing. 
if you can do at least three times a month, that would be also amazing. But uh, if you can do three times four, that's like 12 right there. So, so three times a week. <laughs> yes. Amazing. And, th and, that's, and, that, and that's kind of like a good enough to keep us in shape. How long should these three times be? How many minutes in the pool? So that depends on your level. If you're a beginner, if you're just starting out, I would recommend 20 to 20, 30 minutes and then progress your way. Just like any regular fitness program that you start on. And then I would actually recommend that you add swimming with dry land training. Mm -hmm. So do not forget like strengthening if you can. Um, and that's why I'm following like a workout plan from my swim pro, the swimming plan, because it's just right there. That's the answer It's just pick three times, stay consistent one time, at least stay consistent. And then the rest of the week do dry line training so you can keep up with the mobility. Cause again, with swimming, if you haven't been swimming for a very, very long time, like for instance, I swam like crazy from January until like COVID came, the pools came in closure. I eventually burnt out. My body got super tired from being in the water, teaching all that. Mm -hmm. And then when COVID came, Ramadan as well was like a good mental break, body uh, relaxation. But then like to come back from swimming almost every single day to like not swimming and then coming back to swimming, it's a lot, right? So coming back to it slowly, progress your way once to three times a week. And then also add, you know, mobility workouts, flexibility and strength training. Amazing. Yeah, that's that's really good advice, Inshallah. Thank you so much. And I'm going to squeeze in one last, guys, because I'm the host. I get to squeeze in one more. I'm going to squeeze in one more of mine. And I think because a lot of the audience is going to benefit. And it's okay. So we talked a lot about, you know, Muslim women, covered women, go getting into swimming in the swimming industry. How, you know, let's say, let's say, you know, uh, a woman that doesn't want to wear the bikini is listening to this. And she's like, okay, you got me. I'm, I'm convinced. I want to do this. Uh, but I feel awkward going to my local swimming pool. You know, is, is there anything that we can tell? This person, someone that feels like, you know, maybe they, they don't have that confidence to go to their local swimming pool dressed differently than everyone else, or they want to do swimming, but they just don't know where to start. Where should they go? What kind of institutions should they look for? Do you have any advice for that? That is the like number one problem issue in our, like with our Muslim women communities. It's like mm -hmm. they're still not confident in themselves yet. Number one, it is a mindset shift, just like how you hear that word in every single industry the same thing with this one you it's all mindset and there can be a lot of things like triggering for the, the the women out there so number one if your uh community is you're safe in it you're feeling comfortable in it get out there number one if you're like not that many muslims around you it might be even harder but build that confidence like it within you number one number two um find the right clothes and then number three if you have no idea how to swim because the water the fear of water is a real thing and hold on to the pool deck you know kind of slowly put your neck bubbles out if you can and then progress walk in the water and that's why i'm a huge pro of like water aerobics if you have no idea how to swim at least get in the water walk in the water run and then build your way that's how you build confidence that's, that's mm -hmm. like my number one tip it's just get in the water. hundred percent. That's a really good, good advice. Uh, yeah. would you, would you recommend like, you know, is there any specific things that we should look for? Like local pools? Is there a specific type of pools that usually allow different types of dress versus others in your experience? Have you gotten any uh, issues with that? Alhamdulillah, I have not had issues because I sit at my local community, George Mason pool, um, okay. the hotels, what have you, but I've had, I've heard stories and I've seen it as well, where the Muslim woman comes in with like cotton t-shirt and I, done that like way back in the day no do not wear a cotton t-shirt please do not wear a cotton hijab as well please because <laughs> it's number one not safe you know water safety is number one like that you should work for and that's why i'm talking about swimming it's like it's a water it's this life-saving skill in case anything happens but also to enjoy it and what have you so like look into the policy of your pool and common sense but not everyone knows about it that's what the webinars are happening to educate people about clothing about these struggles how to speak up for yourself and like for instance the speakers that will come on they will share their stories like from canada from australia what they have gone through but here where i am at i haven't had issues but because at my pool at george mason the the girls came in with like a cotton t-shirt like a cotton hijab they were told please like go take it off and then they kind of got a little bit sensitive like offended and it's like no and that's the thing that i've noticed when i spoke with someone else is like the ladies, like they might get offended, like, oh, they're attacking us. 
no, they're not attacking you, perhaps. You have to think of it like, okay, safety and like a, a swimmer. Like I'm coming from a swim perspective, not like I'm here to just sit and chill, but like to swim. So it's, it's not going to be easy for you to swim in a cotton t-shirt, you know. So that. what's the alternative? What should they be looking for? Um, well, alhamdulillah, now there is like Lyra just released a new swim hijab. I say sport has a swim hijab. Splash gear has a swim hijab. If you're not comfortable showing your neck, that's another thing I'm trying to see how will this go today to take a picture with like a, a swim cab. Not every woman is comfortable showing her neck if she's a hijabi. Yeah. So there are options now. Um, okay, so you, you mentioned you mentioned Lyra. You said Lyra Asia hijab. Is that it? Can you can you repeat? Lyra's yeah, Lyra swimwear is a brand. Asia mm -hmm. sport hijab is a second brand. Splash splash gear is another brand um like swimming hijab wise and of course right. there's so many other like running hijab yeah and i mean it w outside of the hijab as well guys if you just go to your local like sports and fitness store i mean there's you, you can find uh, ample amounts of like swimming sweaters and t-shirts that are like swimming material uh so that's that that's that's just available widely for everyone right even just regular swimmers <laughs> Okay, guys. So to be honest, with you, I'm actually wearing a speedo underneath this, so that I'm gonna I'm gonna wear like a rash guard after um, this conversation. Go to the pool. I'm gonna wear a rash guard on top of it, and I'm having my pants on already. And then on top of the pants, I wear shorts. Like he said, there are options, and I know that's another topic to talk about, like clothing, yeah. how to make it work out. Awesome, and that's gonna be one of the topics of your webinars. Is that right? Yes, inshallah. Inshallah, definitely. Okay, so now Allah, um, well, I guess the to just kind of wrap things up. How can people? Uh, support you? How can people follow your work and, and really support your advocacy for what you're you're really fighting for, which is Muslim women and, and even more largely women of all faiths who want to dress more modestly uh, and still be swimmers? And as well, how can they support that, support you, and also maybe even sign up to the, your upcoming campaign? Where, where's the best place to do that? My face will come over. Also, Instagram at bfitsforakhira. It has the link, link tree. It has the fundraiser I'm also doing since it's my um, fundraiser that I'm doing. To swim one can inshallah and then the webinars are all in underneath that one link yeah link.com slash befits for akhira befit for akhira awesome and uh we'll go ahead and drop the links in description as well guys and someone said please post the brands ola mentioned so we're going to post the brands as well in the comments of the uh i'll make her send it over and, and we'll post them for you guys and inshallah i'll also share her uh you mentioned facebook facebook.com slash is there like a username that we can check out Yes, that uh, be fit for Akhira. Everything be that be fit for Akhira. Awesome. And be fit, guys, for it's not F O R, it's the number four. All right. So be fit number four, Akhira, A K H I R A H. So make sure that you check that out. We'll drop the links in the comments, inshallah, and in the description. Ola, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. It was amazing to hear your story, to hear about what you're fighting for, and just to highlight the fact that there are entrepreneurs out there like yourself who are doing these amazing, amazing things and really pioneering in these different industries in, in a way that hasn't been done before. And just to kind of, again, repeat it for the third time, guys, it's okay for the big prance to talk for us, but it's, it's even better if we can speak for ourselves. Ola, thank you so much for joining. And I really look forward to having you again on this podcast in the future, inshallah. You're welcome. And thank you for having me on. I think it was, an, it was a true pleasure. We'll see you guys next week, inshallah. Make sure to subscribe on our YouTube channel, on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, wherever you're listening to, and make sure to join our Facebook group if you guys haven't already. Link will also be in the description and in the caption. We'll see you guys next week. Take care, guys.